a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sherry. How are you? I am awesome. I'm feeling rather, like, animated right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of cartoon-like. I don't know why or where that comes from. (laughs) Cartoon-like? Yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, I think it might be that... Coffee, huge. <laughs> I, just, I just had a big old cold brew and I like really kind of slammed it. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, so you're like caffeinated. <laughs> I'm being completely clumsy. So yeah, animated yeah. is a good way to go. It's a good thing we have this table between us. Oh my God. <laughs> it could be trouble. Well, I think that um, all of this that's going on between the two of us is going to make for a great show. And I am super excited about this topic. So um, anybody who knows me knows that I love to cook. So um, recently I did a survey of our listeners and my newsletter subscribers. So if you don't subscribe to the newsletter, subscribe to the newsletter. Um, so I did like a, just a survey, five questions asking, what do people want to hear about? What do they want to know? You know, what, what kind of show things do you want to hear about? And also on my social media, what do you guys want to see more? And one of the things that popped up to the top was cooking. So I was super excited that people were excited about that. that is so awesome. So anybody who knows me knows that I love to eat. (laughs) I don't cook as often as Sherry does, but because I love to eat, I do cook. So that's great. I'm excited about this. Yes. And so I thought it would be super fun to do a show about sort of what, why, and how we cook. And that might provide some inspiration for other people. So I am the kind of girl who reads cookbooks like they're novels. Yeah. And I never make the same thing twice. Are you like that or are you a recipe kind of person? I am definitely a recipe kind of person. I also read cookbooks like they're (laughs) novels. Um, And I do tend to find my favorite things to cook and make them over and over and over. Um, But I do branch out. Yeah, you're you're I think you're an adventurous eater. So I'm definitely an adventurous eater. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine you'd be pretty adventurous in the kitchen, too, because of that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I know, though, that not everybody loves to spend hours in the kitchen. Like there are times there are days when literally I will spend four to six hours in the kitchen and I'm happy doing that. My feet hurt at the end of the day, <laughs> but I'm happy at having had the time to do that. And it's not, it's not often, it's not mm-hmm. every week, that's for sure. But there are, you know, it's not rare for me to spend hours and hours in the kitchen cooking and preparing and meal prepping and making cookies and bread and canning and making soup and stock and all that in one day because I just, I love it. It makes me happy. That is awesome. Now, I can't do hours and hours like that, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, a couple hours to experiment with a new dish. Mm-hmm. I'm down for that. Yeah. We would have fun doing that. We should do that. We should we start should. doing that. I really think. <laughs> so today I thought that it would be super fun to have a show that talks about cooking and why it's, I, I consider it an essential life skill. Um, and, and really the reason I consider it an essential life skill is because I think it's very hard to be truly healthy if you're dependent all the time on somebody else to prepare all of your food. Yeah, I can see how that's true. Yeah. I can see how that's true. So why don't we start at the beginning? Because I want to hear your story. Um, how, how did you learn to cook? So my mom was an amazing cook and owned her own catering business uh, towards the end of her life. But when I was growing up, she cooked everything. Like I, we rarely went out to dinner and Mm -hmm. she cooked, you know, a breakfast, cooked a lunch and cooked dinner every Mm day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always saw my mom in the kitchen and, you know, she was always very welcoming. I know Mm -hmm. that some people have parents who were like, oh, stay out in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, um, but she always let us like come in the kitchen. We were allowed to experiment. You know, if we saw something in a cookbook that we wanted to try, she was always excited to get the ingredients. Um, And she was also a pretty adventurous cook herself. Like she made things up all of the time. Um, I think she's probably more like you where she mm-hmm. didn't cook things very often more than once, yeah. you know, especially 
some of her experiments. I remember, <laughs> oh my gosh, she decided to make glazed carrots. I must have been like 12 or 13. She decided to make glazed carrots and they tasted like burnt rubber. I mean, oh no! Horrible. <laughs> but that was just her thing. She was like, okay, this didn't work out. Let's try something else next time. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I really learned from my mom and from cookbooks. Yeah. I similarly, I grew up with um, seeing my mom and my grandmother in the kitchen a lot and my aunt, too. So, you know, I was raised by a bunch of women <laughs> in my family. My mom was a single mother most of my life. And so she was um, or much of my life. And she so she was out working full time. She wasn't always home to cook. Mm. But I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's and uh, my grandmother raised six kids and she cooked. Oh, my God. Yeah, she cooked a lot. And um, and so that's where I learned I think that watching my grandmother is sort of where I learned to love cooking mm. I learned to sort of I think I observed how you can express love through cooking in a way that is really I think a unique unique to food you know yeah I can see that mm -hmm. I think about you know I was my parents were my dad was in the military so we mm -hmm. moved mm -hmm. but we would always come to their hometown Jonesboro Louisiana shout out um, <laughs> hey, every, <Jonesboro. laughs> every summer and you know the first thing that my grandmothers would say when we pulled up to their house is y'all hungry yeah you know and that that was how they said I missed you I'm happy you're here yeah. by preparing like our favorite dishes yeah and I you know I think that's not unique to the south from the perspective of everybody cooks for their families and lots of people do that but as a southern girl <laughs> I have to say that for me that is absolutely that's my experience too that you know my grandmother always had a pan of cornbread or biscuits ready mm -hmm. when we got there you know she she would oftentimes have a ham or something I was just was about to say up. a ham yeah. there's a ham in the oven yeah <laughs> yeah there's always something like that going um you know, ready to feed whoever showed up. Yeah. And, you know, and I think after cooking for six kids and her husband for her lifetime, you know, for their lifetimes, and she had kids spread out over like 20 years because her youngest was, I don't know, he was only six years older than me. Oh my goodness. So he, so yeah. So, um, so she had kids for a long time at home. So she was cooking for a lot of people. And my grandmother was definitely the person who was apt to pick up strays, if you will. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There was always somebody that was coming to holiday meals. Nobody knew who that person was. That was my mother. Was oh it? my gosh. Like mom, you cannot invite this person from yeah. the grocery store or in front of the grocery store. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah, they're hungry. Come on. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was my grandmother. I remember one time we were it was Thanksgiving and um you know, we live in Georgia so Thanksgiving sometimes is still quite warm. Yeah. So we were all sitting out on the carport and eating our Thanksgiving dinner, you know, cuz it was hot in the house cuz there was no air conditioning. And the oven's been on and all day. And I've been on all day. <laughs> and so we were sitting out on the carport eating our Thanksgiving dinner and there and this family of four comes walking up the driveway. Nobody, everybody's looking at each other. Nobody knows who they are, and they and they're smiling, and we're smiling, and we're like, "Hey, how you doing?" And they ask, "Oh, is Betty here?" I'm like, yeah, she's right inside. And they go in, and every one of us on the carport, we're like, "Who is that?" Who is that? But it was a beautiful thing, yeah. you know. And so I think that for me, watching um, cooking as an expression of love and a gift and that's for me what I think started my first kind of love of cooking for sure yeah and I I love um I love I still have vivid memories of watching my grandmother's long fingers and fingernails in the bowl putting together biscuits that's probably is that my, where you learn to make biscuits it's where I learned to love biscuits okay. <laughs> it's not where I learned to make them I, I think I didn't learn to make them until much later okay. so my grandmother cooked a lot but I and I watched a lot but I didn't really cook and even mm. with my mom it was the same way I watched a lot but I didn't cook and so it was so so I was a teenager didn't really know how to cook I was on my own when I was 19 so I still didn't really I knew how to survive I could heat things up and I can make a mean PBJ but <laughs> but so did you have the basics like could you do a scrambled no. egg could you, wow. I mean maybe I did not scrambled so much as fried like I probably, I might've been, I could have scrambled eggs, but they wouldn't have been good. Okay. <laughs> not, not like I like them now, you know, they would have been rubbery. They would have been overcooked, yeah. but they would have been edible and I could keep myself alive and maybe somebody else, but they might not like it. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I was um, in my twenties, I had a boyfriend 
who worked in a fine dining restaurant. And I was introduced for the first time to fine dining cuisine and learned that food can be so much more. And I don't want to suggest that what I grew up eating wasn't great because it was. It was delicious and comforting and wonderful and filled with love. And much of it was very healthy, but but I didn't know how to cook it. And then when I would go to these fine dining restaurants and I'd be exposed to all kinds of fruits and vegetables and preparations and ways of preparing food that I'd never seen before, it, it blew my mind and it really opened up my palate and my interest in food. And so I think Food Network is what did that for me. Yeah. Like that was my first experience with like um, preparing vegetables in ways other than I'd seen my mom mm-hmm. do them. Not that mm-hmm. she boiled everything to death. Yeah. You know, she definitely sauteed and things like she that. She made glazed carrots that taste like rubber. Child, those <laughs> carrots. I can still taste them. Oh, gosh. That's how bad. And this is like, what, more than 30 yeah. years later? Yeah. Oh, so bad. Gosh. But um, watching Food Network opened my eyes to definitely different types of protein. Like mm-hmm. we didn't really eat anything other than chicken and beef, but to experience, to experience through the TV, something like yeah. lamb or duck, or, uh, we definitely ate tons of seafood, but, uh, octopus, you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's, so that's a great segue into the sort of the conversation around the impact of media on cooking and on me and you. I mean, I think that's a great example for you is sort of how that opened your palate for me. So I mentioned my grandmother. I, so I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house and my grandmother loved to watch PBS and she loved to watch <gasps> cooking shows. What was that guy's name? I, One I, cup of wine. Wasn't he on P- PBS? The guy. He oh, was the like, Cajun chef. Yes. 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 <laughs> we watched him. We watched Paul Prudhomme. Yes. We watched Jacques Pepin. We watched Julia Child. Jacques Pepin had yeah. a show. Oh yeah, he had two. He had more than two. He had at least two. He had one by himself, and then later on, he had one with Julia. Had a couple with Julia Childs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched those as a kid. You know, so I wasn't cooking, but I was watching these cool TV shows, and then, and then. But I wasn't tasting them until I was mm-hmm. in my 20s. And then when um, then when I broke up with that guy, then it was like I needed to learn to cook because I missed that food and I couldn't <laughs> afford it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so TV was that teacher for me, too, in a lot of ways. So as a child watching and then later on watching Food Network. I loved watching Food Network. I loved watching all of the cooking shows. Emeril Lagasse was one that I loved to watch. Yes. Bam. Bam. He was great. <laughs> he was great. And, and I think – you know, when they started, Food Network was really about chefs cooking food right. and teaching while they were cooking. And now it's kind of this, it's morphed into this very different kind of channel that's all about entertainment. So so sometimes I wonder, like, is the, are we armchair quarterbacks in the kitchen or are we really engaging? Like, how much does food television or cooking on TV, how much does it translate into actual action in the kitchen? I wonder, like for me, it translated into seeking out different ways to prepare Mm -hmm. different things. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely watched it for entertainment, but it would make me curious about something. Like I would see a show about Vietnamese food and Mm. think, gosh, you know, I've never tasted Vietnamese food. I wonder what that tastes like, which then drove me to seek out a Vietnamese restaurant, Mm. which then drove me to seek out a Vietnamese cookbook uh-huh. to try to make some of that myself. So I think I can see it kind of as a gateway yeah. for some people. And then maybe for some, it's just entertainment. Yeah. And which isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah. either. I mean, I think either one is good. I, I really do. I think either one is, is good. If it starts the conversation and it gets people interested in cooking, mm-hmm. that's a good, that's a good thing. And then, but how do we translate that? And I think some of that has come through additional social media, right? So now, so there was, there were the food, there was Food Network and there was Food, you know, Cooking Channel, I think is another one. Food TV? Or is that Food Network too? Food Network is Food TV. Okay. Yeah. And so I think, so I think those were. Oh, the cooking channel is the one where it's more about uh, a lot. You see a lot of travel. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. Okay. And I think those are, I think those are great 
beginnings and even PBS still has cooking channel or cooking shows on it. So, you know, I think Ellie Krieger has a show, a dietitian who has um, had a show on Food Network and now she has a show on PBS. Really? So there are lots of great, I do too. (laughs) There are lots of great ways to get that from television. And then also, of course, all of that streams. So you can get that on -hmm. on the internet. If you don't, if you don't have cable or you don't watch TV, that's okay. You can find it on the internet, you know, YouTube or directly from some of those channels. And then I think social media though has, been something of an of its own animal in the food world you know well I mean I think that this the stat for um Pinterest as an example is Mm. like 70 percent of Pinterest users cite recipes and food as the number one thing they pin that's about the only thing that I pin yeah (laughs) basically yeah I think that I think that the of course we know that demographically the the vast majority of pinners are women and most of those women are pinning recipes and food ideas. What those categories are, I can't really speak to. So are they mm-hmm. pinning for their families? Are they doing things that are about healthier cooking or indulgent cooking? Or are they holidays? For me, it's all of those. For me, it's all of those. I even have um, a board that's just cocktails. Oh, no, really? Yeah. I love it's called that. called Baited. I love it. <laughs> I love that. I, I think I have, I think mine is called Drink This. <laughs> I'm very literal. What can I say? <laughs> And then I think, you know, so, so after Pinterest came Instagram. Yes. And so Instagram now, right, is like all about recipes and cooking and images and I was about to say yeah. images of food because if I have something that looks really, really pretty, I always have to take a picture and post yeah. it. I don't post every meal, yeah. but probably one out of every 10 is pretty enough. Yeah. And that's a generational thing. I was doing some research looking at, you know, some, some trends and things like that and found that. So I think one of the things that's driving an increased interest in cooking is this millennial generation, interestingly. Mm. Um, so they're a very interesting generation. And I, sometimes I think I'm a faux millennial. I'm like somewhere, I, like I have one foot there and one foot here. I'm definitely not a millennial, but mm-hmm. I, but there are things about that generation I so identify with and food is one of those things. So how are, how are they driving because I think about how my daughter-in-law who is 23 years old knows how to sew she knits like beautifully anything you want knitted she can do it and I have the sewing machine that's been in a box <laughs> for two years that I don't know how to use so in some ways they seem to be more retro yeah I think, than our generation is that kind of what you found yeah it is I think that they're more interested in in um in learning to do things for themselves they're very self-sufficient they they um they're embracing in some ways a simpler lifestyle I think they're less apt yes. to buy stuff they're more likely to save money and even the generation after them which I I can't remember what they're called right now, but they're even, children. even more so children. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you ask like teenagers, older teens now, you know, mm-hmm. sort of what their values are and what they're interested in spending their money on and those kinds of things. And they're, and they're very conservative. It's interesting, but if you think about they, they've sort of lived through the recession and, you know, some very difficult times economically. And I think that has impacted. And even if you think about millennials, you know, a lot of them, graduated college or, you know, they're out in the workforce during a really difficult time. Right. So they've had to learn how to be thrifty, right? They've had to learn how to be, um, to make that dollar go a lot further than maybe the generation that we are in, where we had a little bit more margin than they did. So it's very, it's very interesting. And I, and I kind of love that that's happening though, that it's driving them into the kitchen. And, you know, what we see is that they're more social. So they're doing it together, which is so fun. Cooking clubs and, um, and dinner clubs and things like that are so popular. And, um, and I, and I love that. And I read a stat that surprised me and said this millennials are more likely to grocery shop together in groups. Isn't that interesting? Grocery shop to get, I've never seen that. Have you ever grocery shopped with another, like with a friend, like go to the grocery store together? No, but I'm an introvert and oh, my yeah, grocery well. store time is like my me time. Because <laughs> I tell you, I like to go up and down every aisle uh-huh. and look for things I haven't seen before. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even like to take my husband grocery shopping, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I kind of love to have my grocery shopping time to myself <laughs> too. But I, but I thought that was really cool and interesting and, you know, and it makes like, uh, 
something, a free activity, right? Essentially, like now it's a social activity and grocery stores are starting to reflect that too. It's very interesting. I went to, my husband and I went to Whole Foods last night for dinner. Oh, I like Whole Foods for dinner. I do too. I do too. I love their hot bar. And so, you know, it was, it was very, it was fun because this new Whole Foods in our area has a restaurant inside. So you can get barbecue and beer and have dinner inside the restaurant, inside the store, and then you can go do your shopping. Isn't that cool? My eyes are open. I forgot that there was a Whole Foods that was opening up close by. It's very cool. You need to go there. In South Carolina, my in-laws, where my in-laws live, there's a, I think it's a Wild Oats, another natural food store. And they, um, they actually have a bar. When you go in, they have a bar. The laws are different. You know, the alcohol Mm -hmm. laws are different. So you can, you can walk in the store and literally you go through the produce and then there's a little bar. Where you can stop and pick up a beer and just walk around and do your shopping with your beer. Oh my gosh, we need that. I know the laws are prohibitive. Can you imagine (laughs) if I could have a cocktail (laughs) while I do one of my favorite activities, which is grocery shopping? I know, I know, but it's this whole. I think you think I'll get arrested if I put a nip in my purse? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. you know, I have seen those purses that are like wine crafts and yeah. they've got a little, a little lever on the side. I'm not advocating that. People. I'm so just saying it. it exists. I am. I would do it. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, it's really cool to see this, this much more social kind of activity around, um, eating and cooking and eating together. And it reminds me of sort of, you know, old fashioned cocktail parties. And those have come back too, where, where this, you know, millennials are really into craft cocktails and unique cocktails and making those cocktails themselves and then hosting their friends. And I, I think that's awesome. That is really cool. So that also explains why I'm able to find these like really craft cocktail mixes and uh, cherries and different kinds of olives. Yes. Thank you for driving that trend. I appreciate (laughs) y'all. So it's, I think it's really awesome that there's such an interest and social media, I think has had a really big influence on that. I mentioned Pinterest and Instagram. I think the other thing is food bloggers, you know, food Mm. bloggers who take these beautiful pictures and, and develop these incredible recipes are definitely driving my habits. Um, and I think they're driving lots of other trends as well, you know, so I see, I follow, you know, there are people I follow on social media and I read their blogs and they're cooking and they're creating these images and these recipes that are in, that are sometimes aspirational for, and what I mean by that is they're things that I might not cook, but they're things that inspire me to cook like that or better or different than I cook now. What's something that would have just been aspirational, but would inspire you differently um so maybe like you mentioned Vietnamese like Mm -hmm. I love Asian food but there are some things that I won't make like they're just too complicated Mm -hmm. they have too many ingredients I would only use that ingredient once or twice so I'm not gonna buy it I'm not gonna make that exact recipe um but maybe I would be inspired to make a simpler version of that recipe does that make sense with those flavors with those flavors yeah Yeah. maybe I'm gonna make instead of making like um a very complicated seafood soup. I might make a very simple seafood soup that's like a miso base instead mm-hmm. of making something that's really requires a lot of time to create this what's probably an incredible broth, mm-hmm. but I just don't have the time or I don't have those ingredients and I'm not going to buy them for a one-time application, but I love to see it. Yeah. I love to read about it, right? Or you stick it in your Instapot and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about gadgets. So I definitely think that social media has had a huge influence on me and I hope that I've been able to inspire some other people with my social media too. I will say you've inspired me to eat more vegetables and fruit because I see the way that you put your meals together um, with, you know, the proteins and starch that's included in a salad and then like a fruit salad for dessert. And it's not something I would have really considered doing before seeing your Instagram. So yes, you've inspired me. Oh, thank you. One person (laughs) that was worth it. 
Um, and you know why I do that mostly is because of Gavin, my son. Oh, okay. It's because he is a great fruit eater. He's not a great vegetable eater, mm. but there are a lot of the same vitamins and minerals you can get from fruit that you get from vegetables. There, it's different. It's not the same. And I'm still trying to encourage him to become a better vegetable eater. But in the meantime, I want to make sure he's getting getting something. Yeah, there's still fiber, still lots of vitamins and minerals. So I want him to eat those foods. And I know that he might not always eat the entree that I make, but if I've always got a starch that he'll eat and there's always a fruit that he'll eat I feel I feel pretty good about that and I don't worry so much that he's not getting what he needs so yeah there's a rationale behind most of what I do well it's beautiful and I tasted your food so I'm sure it's always delicious no it's not always delicious because I've (laughs) definitely had my own version of rubber carrots oh yeah sure yeah definitely what was my mom thinking Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that is definitely my signature about cooking is that I don't always make, I almost never make the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. And part of that, it's not that I might not make a similar dish twice. It's just that I'm always tweaking Mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid to vary from a recipe. You know, to me, when I think about cooking, I love the inspiration that I get from social media and I haven't even talked about cookbooks much. I mean, I mentioned how I read them like novels, but I have a collection of cookbooks that's like maybe a hundred hundred plus cookbooks. Yeah. And some of them are vintage and some of them are new. Some of them are one subject like yogurt. <laughs> some of them are, you know, many different types of, of cuisines all put together like the New York Times cookbook. Mm-hmm. So, but I love them because they inspire me to try new things and do new things. And they're, I mean, you wouldn't have to cook the same thing twice if you, if you don't want to, right? There's always a new way to try something. And so sometimes even if I'm making the same thing, like even if I'm making vegetable soup, that vegetable soup is going to be different than the vegetable soup I made Absolutely. last time. Yeah. Because of the spices I have on hand, because of the vegetables I have on hand, you know? Right. And I, you know, I tease my mom about the, the glazed carrots, but what that did teach me is that it's okay yes. to try things and they not turn out well and yeah. you can always try something different and there's fun and just being adventurous in the yes. trying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that, you know, we haven't, I think barriers to people spending more time in the kitchen are many, but one of the big ones I think is a fear of failure, right? Nobody wants to fail. Yeah. And especially if you're cooking for other people, like yeah. it's one thing if I'm cooking for myself and what I made is terrible, that's, you know <laughs> what, I'm going to eat it or not eat it. And that's fine. I have only myself. Right. <laughs> but if I'm cooking for my family, I may be much less um, excited about trying something new because I'm afraid they're not going to like it, you know? And it's okay for them to not like it. Yeah. And we'll just toss it and try something else. Right. Right. Or, you know, in my house, it's like, this is what we're having. If you don't like it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make yourself a sandwich when we're done if you choose. <laughs> Nobody's being forced to eat it. But we this is what we always had peanut butter and jelly yeah, in the house listen, just for that case. Right. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not cooking another meal. Yeah. But, you, you know, you can choose to eat it or you can choose not to eat it. And that's okay. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to fail and I encourage our listeners to be brave too in the kitchen. And I be have brave. A, I yes, love that. <laughs> I have a sign, you know, you've seen it. I have a banner in my kitchen that says be brave. And part of it is for me to not be not not be afraid to be brave in the kitchen, but also every day in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. So um you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about sort of maybe a, an unintended consequence of all of the social media and cookbooks and interest in food and nutrition and cooking is that it should be easier than ever to eat healthy, but it hmm. seems like it's more complicated than ever. Do you agree with that? I do agree that it's more complicated, but I wonder if that complication is in our head. You know what I mean? Like... Is it really more complicated or are we making it more complicated because we're taking in information that's misinformation yeah. and we're not really sure how to dissect out what's real and what's fake instead of just kind of listening to our taste buds and what our bodies tell us are the best things for mm-hmm. us and going with that? Yeah. I think that there's a combo of those. I mean, I, th- I think that one of the problems is – that there that you have to people don't know always know how to consider the source right right so there's a lot of information anybody can call themselves a nutritionist anybody can put themselves out there as an expert you don't know you may just see their blog you know i i recently um 
uh, came across a book that I, I really enjoyed. It was a vegan cookbook and I really enjoyed it. But I found out that the after reading it and learning a little bit more about the author that she has no culinary and nutrition background. You know, her her area of expertise is in media, she, which is fine. And and she doesn't present herself as an expert in health and nutrition, by the way. Mm -hmm. And her cookbook was fabulous. And I really enjoy it a lot. But I also think it's important to know that, oh, wait, if we're asking her, leaning on her for information about nutrition, she doesn't have the expertise to be a trusted trusted um, source for that. Right. And sometimes we don't ask those questions, you know? We see the pictures, we hear the story, it's very compelling. Or somebody presents themselves as an expert yes. and we don't really research every person's credentials. Right, yeah. I mean, I think that there's even like a lot of people who can call themselves doctor who aren't actually a medical professional. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the research that I did on a particular detox where the person referred to themselves as a doctor yep. and they were like a doctor Doctor of holistic medicine or right, something. Right. But I would not have known it. I, I see the picture. He's got a white coat on. Right. I'm making an assumption that he's an MD. Right. Right. And I, I think that, that that that's definitely one of the things that I think is is so important as we're thinking about cooking and food and nutrition, where we get our information from is essential. Yeah. So is it a good source? Is it somebody who's got the appropriate education and experience to be able to give me good advice on this or is it not, you know? And sometimes people have great intentions and I don't question their intentions. Right. And maybe they've had a, a really great experience themselves and they want to share that because they want to inspire other people. But I think one of the things you said is about listening to my body and knowing my taste buds and every person's experience is unique. And and we do have research on like what are the best kinds of diet dietary patterns that help us be healthier longer when we look at populations all over the world you know right and that of course is a plant-based diet you know it isn't necessarily vegetarian it isn't necessarily vegan but it is focused heavily on plant foods that leads to the longest life with the least amount of disease and that to me is where we should be focused and if we could just figure out a way to make sure that that those plants also taste good. Yeah, I think that more people would be more inclined to eat more plant based. Yeah, and I and that is why I think cooking is an essential skill. Yes, right there. Yes, you summed it up <laughs> perfectly. I love that. That's awesome. So when you think about how you approach cooking, what do you? How do you sort of describe your approach to cooking and time in the kitchen? Um. Ugh, I don't know. Like I generally will, I, you know, I meal plan every week. And mm -hmm. so I will always have an idea of like, okay, this week I know that I want to have fish twice a week and I am really feeling kind of shrimpy right now. And <laughs> what does shrimpy feel like? <laughs> I don't know, but I just, I know it when I feel it, you know, and, um, maybe I don't want chicken this week. Maybe I want to prepare some kind of pork. And then, um, I'll think about, okay, well, what kind of flavors do I want those things to kind of work together? Do I want to have a theme for the week? So like, uh, I'll say the week before I started traveling, my theme was like Chinese. So I mm. had like these ribs that were flavored with Chinese five spice. And then I had a stir fry, you know what I mean? So those things So the whole worked. week you made Chinese? Inspired recipes? Oh, yes. that's cool. Um, but like that's that. not always, you know, sometimes that. it just depends on what I think that I want yeah. the following week and then I go to Pinterest uh -huh. and I, I find recipes and you know I have some boards with some recipes that are tried and true and then maybe you know oh I don't really want my shrimp and soup this time let me see if there's something that I can find that's a stir fry mm -hmm. and then I'll go on Pinterest and put in shrimp noodles vegetables and it'll, you know <laughs> aggregate all those recipes for me and then I read through and pick one and try it that's awesome. I love that. It sounds like um, it sounds like you have sort of a, a process, a system. I have a system you're a process system, for everything. You're a system woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little more uh, organic in the way I approach time in the kitchen. Not not completely, but definitely um, what I usually do is I start with looking in my fridge. What do I have in my fridge? And what am I going to do with that? There used to be a show on um, Food Network, I think. That was a guy would show up at people's houses and he would say, like, can I cook with you or for you? I feel like I've seen that. And we may have talked about this on another episode where he and he would go in and he would cook with the 
family or person who lived there and make like a great meal out of whatever they had in their kitchen. Yes. And I love that show. It's sort of like the um, Chopped on Food Network now. They've Wasn't got that show like Chopped. Wasn't he like really gorgeous? Did he have an accent? He had an accent. I don't remember him being gorgeous. Gordon, Gordon somebody maybe. Anyway, I don't remember exactly. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> so the um so but it inspired me and it, that that kind of idea has inspired me and also thinking about reducing food waste and we've talked a little bit about this and um and and you know we've mentioned that I went to an exhibit recently where I saw that you know learned that the average household of four in the U.S. wastes over 1,600 pounds of food a year. Which amazes That's amazing. Me. How and, much money is that? And, and, not, and also, you know, there are a lot of people in our country who are food insecure, and yet we're wasting so much food. Like, how can we resolve that? And so, for me, part of my approach to trying to stop wasting so much food is, is being more efficient in the kitchen. And while I love to experiment, and I do that a lot, I also try to be really mindful about how can I use the food that I have so I'm not wasting it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so I like to take an inventory what's in the kitchen and you know, what's in the fridge that I need to use. And then how can I creatively use that in the kitchen this week? And I meal plan too. And we have a whole show about that. So, um, I want to point people to episode three and four. Episode three is about, um, how to make, um, healthy cooking tastes great. And in that show, we give lots of practical tips about how to, how to use your time in the kitchen to make the food taste great. And then episode four is about meal planning and menu prep and, um, or menu prep, menu. Anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> planning saying. And meal prep. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so that show, we really walk through kind of your system and, um, we were, we had a guest with us and Dunaway Tay, who's an expert in menu planning. Um, and that was, and so those shows I think are really good DIYs, but for me, you know, I, I take an inventory of the kitchen and then I actually love to spend time being inspired in the grocery store or the farmer's market. So oh, for sure. Yeah. So I'll go and see what looks great today and then how can I cook that? So if I go to the store, if I go to the market and I find that they've got beautiful little patty pan squash, which are these cute little, you know, lovely yellow and green squash that roast up amazingly. See, I didn't even know you could eat those. Oh, I thought yeah. those were just for, you know, your centerpieces yeah. and things. No, you can eat them. They're really good too. So, you know, I, I'll buy them even though the, I might not have a plan for them. I know that mm. they look beautiful and they, and I think they're going to taste good. So I'll buy them and then I'll try them. And I might not buy a lot, but I'll buy enough so that I can incorporate them into what I'm going to be cooking for the week. So are you buying them already having an idea of how to cook them? Have you ever bought anything that you have no idea how to cook it? Yeah, I bought bitter melon one time and I was like, I don't know what to do with this, What's but I'm going to figure it out. Melon? It's a bitter melon. <laughs> it's a, It looks like a cucumber. It looks like a spiny cucumber. Um, but inside, oh, I think I've seen that. Yeah, inside it's really bitter. It's got like a white pith on the inside. And, and it's a very unusual um, – ingredient and it's primarily in Asian foods and mm. you can use it in soups and stews primarily because that longer cooking helps draw out some of that bitterness. But it was one of those things that was like, I know I've seen this and I want to try it. So I bought it. It wasn't an expensive investment. It was like a buck, you know? So What did you do with it? I think I put it in a stew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's the other thing that I do. And that really does inspire me in the kitchen. You know, if I go and I see fresh, delicious, beautiful ingredients, then I can come back and I can say, okay, what can I do with this now? How can I entice my five-year-old now, five years old to, <laughs> to eat this food? You know, what can I do with it to make it interesting and fun? And then I'll just do a quick Google, you know, I'll Google bitter melon and figure out what am I going to do with this or, you know, patty pan squash recipe and see what I can find. And then I look and see, is this an easy recipe? Is this a complicated recipe? Can I do this this week? And I might make that recipe or I might make a riff on that recipe. Mm. You know? How often do you change a recipe? Is almost it like, every time. Almost every time. Yeah, almost every time. If so it's, it's just a recommendation yes, for you. <laughs> they are. They're just right. Now, sometimes if it's baking, I try to really strictly follow the recipe because that's mm -hmm. more like chemistry. Right. And you can't mess with it too much or else you will end up with a blob. <laughs> and I don't want to totally waste that. Um, but most of the time I make some sort of alteration either based on my taste 
or my husband's taste because my husband doesn't have quite as adventurous of palate as I do. Mm -hmm. So I do adjust things for him um, or based on what I have on hand. Like, you know, I, I might find a recipe for something and I think I want to make that, but I don't have that ingredient. So I might make it with something different or I just omit that ingredient depending gotcha. on what it is. Yeah. And I, I think that that's really the freedom of cooking that I want most people to have. So I do cooking classes and I'm looking forward to doing some cooking, some one-on-one -on -one classes soon with a client who wants to learn to cook without recipes. Awesome. And so I'm really excited about that opportunity because to me, that's, that's how you, when you, how you know you've become a good cook is when you can cook without a recipe. Not, not that you can't be a good cook and follow a recipe. I don't mean that at all. I think you, there's absolutely, I've eaten with lots of friends who are but great But when you cooks. understand how yeah, flavors work exactly. and how textures work yes. and can know when you can substitute something or how something is going to work together. Yes. That was definitely my mom. I, yeah. You know, she had tons of cookbooks yeah. also but she basically used them for inspiration yeah and a lot of what she did was just by feel yeah yeah and that's how my grandmother cooked mm -hmm. and I, I think you know so so how do you get there you know I think the I think for me the the way I've gotten here is lots of experimentation yeah you know I I just cook a lot I cook all the time I'm like your mom I cook every day Every day I cook something in my kitchen. If I'm home, if I'm not traveling, I cook every day something. Wow. So it might be just it might just be pancakes or mm -hmm. it might be a, it might be three meals a day. You know, some some days I cook three meals a day and I love it. It's to me it's fun and it's in, and it's interesting and sometimes it's simple things like scrambled eggs with vegetables or you know, sometimes it's something much more complicated like a roast spatchcock chicken, you know, with <laughs> with some sort of fancy vegetables or something. But but that's less often, you know, more often I'm just cooking pretty simple things and you see it on my Instagram, you know, I, it might look fancy, but it's really mostly very simple things. Even this week for my sister who came for dinner, I made her, um, we made an, an Indian dish. So I made curry with vegetables um, and rice, which, you know, seems really intimidating to somebody who doesn't know much about Indian cooking, but you can buy prepared curry sauces that are so easy to use. And I'm not talking about just the dump and serve, but, mm -hmm. but where you take a paste, you start with a paste and then you add coconut, you know, coconut milk or broth. So they've basically done the flavor yeah, combination of all the spices the and kind of frying the spices and then you just kind of mix it into your exactly, coconut milk. Exactly. And that yields the same delicious, you know, really nutritious product that can be a little bit high in sodium, I do, I would say. But, <laughs> but you know, if that's not a concern for you, right. then, you know, then you can make these delicious dishes and they come together really fast. And in, in our case, I had cauliflower, green beans. Um, I had... What else? Sweet potato that I put in it, and um, and sounds and, delicious. Oh, it's so good, and a, and a handful of frozen peas, and then also a can of chickpeas, so that it was really high in protein and fiber, and it was so good, and everybody ate two portions. Fabulous. And it was the awesome thing about curries is that they can also taste different. Every single time you make yes. them, just depending on the different ratios of the spices yes. that you add, you can make them spicy, you can make them not spicy, right? Creamy or not creamy, I mean they're amazing. Yes, and you can use broth instead of coconut milk if mm -hmm. you don't. And and the other thing too is you can add spice to them. So in this case, I just took it straight. I didn't add anything, but typically I would add more ginger and garlic because mm -hmm. I like to really spice it up a lot. But for my sister, I wanted to keep it a little. I wanted to make sure she really would eat it and like it, and she loved it. She loved it. It was a big hit. So, so I, all that to say, you know, I think. Time spent in the kitchen is really valuable time. And you don't have to spend hours like I sometimes do. I'm not advocating for that for everybody. But you have to spend some time. Yeah. You have to spend some time. I'm like a three hours a week. We do our meal yeah. prep on a Sunday. Three hours, we're done. We don't really cook very much during the week. Yeah. I think, you know, the social media we've talked a lot about, and I think that can be great inspiration or cookbooks. Like mm -hmm. I love, you know, the real paper ones that you can turn the page. Oh, I'm obsessed. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I love them. I love them. I just bought a new one. Well, I'll tell you about that one in a minute. But I, I think that, you know, I have a cookbook habit. It's not even like it's a habit. Yeah, now. it's a problem. It's a problem. I'm, I'm out of space. I'm like stacking the books on top now. I think my husband's definitely got <laughs> Concerns. All the more reason for him to build a bookshelf. I have. See, you're two. doing it for him. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, well, I think the other thing that I think is really um, has been an inspiration for me in the kitchen, and I know it's been an inspiration for you too, is eating out. Absolutely. You know, I go to a restaurant, I see something on the menu I've never had before. Um, I taste it. It's amazing. Like in Colorado, I had a beef tartare with this creamy foam wrapped in Ooh. cucumber. It was wow. amazing. It sounds amazing. Amazing. And so, of course, I'm like, how can I make this at home? Because one, I don't know a restaurant that does that here mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And two, I don't have the money to spend, you know, <laughs> I think it was like a $30 appetizer. Like oh, it was well. kind of expensive, but I don't have the money to do that every time I go to Colorado. And so how can I make that kind of food myself mm -hmm. and it be less expensive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, eating out has been a huge inspiration for me at home too. And the things I've learned from eating out, eating food that was prepared by a professional chef, mm -hmm. the things that I've learned and that, that I've brought home to my home kitchen are things like garnishing. Don't forget to make the food pretty, you know, don't forget to make it look good. Every meal is not going to look good. It's hard to make like moussaka look good. It's going to look like slop because it just, but it's or, taste or, delicious. Yeah, exactly. Or even like some stews and things like that. It's hard to make them look pretty, but, it, but a sprinkle of fresh herbs or a sprinkle of, of chopped nuts or a sprinkle of, of freshly grated cheese can go a really long way in making something look really special. So that's how we know that you're a cook and I'm an eater. I don't care about the garnish. Just, <laughs> it's going to taste good. That's all I care. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that there's, I think there's something to that. Um, when you're cooking for other people. So a I lot, can see that. you yeah. do that for other people. I bet you do. What I do. I, I, oh, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you'd, well, and the other thing too is again, like fresh herbs. I mean, I think taking, taking, really using fresh herbs in a powerful way is something I learned from eating out, eating other people's foods and, and the, and the importance of acid and, you know, a little bit of acid goes a long way at the end of a dish to brighten the flavor and bring it out. And I didn't know that before I ate other people's food. And see, I learned that from Alex Scornichelli. Did oh, I say that yes, right? Yeah. On her Food Network show. And she said the difference between a home cook and a professional chef is often is the hit of acid. Yeah. You hit every dish with a bit of acid before you serve it and it just elevates it. Yeah. So I do do that. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I mean, I think the other thing too of, about eating out is that um, there are some foods that I would never cook at home um, oh because uh, I would never, I don't deep fry at home. I just don't, I don't have, I don't have the desire to eat deep fried food very often, but sometimes I want it and I'm going to go out and eat that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make that at home. Um, again, and to do it well, like a fried chicken, I yeah. mean, it takes days to do it well. Right. And, yeah. Brining and yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, and, and I think there are complicated dishes that I wouldn't cook at home too. So again, going back to sort of the Asian inspired, some of those Asian inspired foods, I love them and I love the flavor of them, but I'm not going to make that dish at home. So I love to go out and try those things. Mm -hmm. And I think going out to eat really exposes me to foods that I might not otherwise try. Like, Absolutely. You know, I mean, I grew up in, you know, Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> where, and I love Southern food, but I also have learned to love Korean food, and I've learned to love Vietnamese food, and I've learned to love French food, and I've learned to love a whole host of other kinds of food, Latina food, that I never would have eaten if I'd only eaten at home. Absolutely. So while I think the Food Network did a great job of bringing some of those into my house, they wouldn't have been on my table if I hadn't also gone out to eat them. So, yeah, I think eating out has broadened my palate and has improved my cooking in really yeah, interesting ways. That was definitely the progression for me, yeah. seeing it on Food Network, finding a restaurant, tasting it, <laughs> then trying to figure out how to make it myself. Yeah, so what, so I think as we kind of, I think we've, this has been a great conversation and I feel inspired I about again. I know day. me too. <laughs> so let me ask you one more thing. And that is like, what is inspiring you now? Right now, I really want to learn how to make Indian food. Like Ooh, I love, it. love Indian food. Me I love too. spicy food. Um, Indian food is simple, but complicated. Like uh -huh. those flavors, to get them right, to do them well, for it to turn out, you know, where it's not chalky or, yeah. you know, you're not being overpowered by something that's kind of astringent like mm -hmm. turmeric. It's difficult to do. And so I'm playing with that. 
I have some great Indian cookbooks I'll show <gasps> you when we're done. Yes! <laughs> and I've had some time to, to spend with Indian chefs mm. watching them cook, and it is so inspiring. And, and Mater Joffrey, I think that's her, her that's, that's how you say her name. I have one of her cookbooks. She has a PBS show that I think is an incredible show. You could probably find it on YouTube. Oh, and it would teach out. you a lot. Yeah. So I think what's inspiring me right now is um, is fermented foods. Mm. And so I mentioned a minute ago, I teased that I got in a new Did book. I see something about you kombucha? Did. Yes. <laughs> I started a new batch of kombucha last night. <gasps> I know. I've never and made you know, it before. I, am a, I drink a kombucha every day. I drink it a lot, too. Like a few times a week, I buy um, kombucha and drink it. And you know, it's pretty spendy. It's not it cheap. It is, but like when I was in Colorado, they have a grocery store called Natural Grocer, uh-huh. um, and they sell kombucha by the jug. Yes. And so if I could find it somewhere. Here. If, I can tell you where you can find it here. Yes. Let me yes. know, because I'm spending like three bucks yes. for a bottle. Yes. Yes. And that was my. But it's my, good for my tummy. So. It is. Mine too. <laughs> and that was what encouraged me to try to do it. And I have a friend, um, shout out to Stephanie Dove, who Stephanie. Um, <laughs> she makes, she told me that she made kombucha. And I had been a little bit intimidated by the idea of the SCOBY, which is a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast mm-hmm. that lives on the top and looks kind of gross. So I was a little hesitant about, do I really want to make that in my house? Like, what if it goes wrong? I was a little nervous about it. And she is so brave and she was encouraging me. And I was like, okay, I'm, I can do this. And then um, yesterday I found a cookbook about making kombucha. So I bought it. Awesome. And I went to the grocery store last <laughs> night and I bought some plain kombucha as a starter and I started my kombucha. So that's what's inspiring me today. <laughs> I want to taste when it's done. Please. Uh, I will. I will share. I'm super excited about it and I can't wait to practice with like flavor combinations. And I also love making ferment like pickled vegetables and things mm-hmm. like that. But I want to try I want to learn more about fermenting vegetables. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of on my next my next list of things. But the other thing that just inspires me all the time is my cookbook collection and feeding my family. You know, awesome. getting my five-year-old. If you make some kimchi, let me know. I want to taste oh, that too. Oh, I will. I, I will. Love kimchi. Yeah. I think I want to just, I think at first I need to just figure out how to make sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. I have tried twice and I haven't had a successful batch yet. And I'm sure it's operator error and it may be that I'm not waiting long enough or I don't know what it is, but for some reason I can't quite get it. And I know it's me. It's not that there's not, there are good recipes out there. It's not a complicated thing to do. I just can't quite get it right. And so I, I need to keep trying on that one. So. Yeah. But you know what? That's see that's me admitting I've had some major failures in that area, and but I'm not giving trying. up. I'm yes. so proud of you. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well, I think that that's a good place to wrap up when we think about cooking. Don't give up. Keep trying. Be adventurous. I encourage you to get into the kitchen. And if you do, tell us about it. Let us know if you've been encouraged and inspired and what things you're going to be trying in your kitchen in the coming weeks because we want to know about it. Yes. Yes. So um, awesome. Well, as we close today, I guess we just have one more question. The question we end every show with, Dee, what are you going to do to be healthier today? Well... It is not 5,000 degrees out today. Uh, it's still warm, yeah. but it's not 5,000 degrees. And the humidity is less than it's been in like three weeks. So mm. I'm going to head out to the trail and see Good. if I can put my skates on. Oh, how fun. I haven't been able to skate in like six weeks. It's been so hot. So. Uh. I'm excited about that. Awesome. What about Good you? Good for you. So I am way, way, way low on my steps today. I've been sitting almost the whole day. So I'm going to try to get to my 10,000 steps. So I try really hard to get to 10,000 steps a day, and I'm not even a quarter of the way there. So oh <laughs> I have a lot of walking still to Me do. Me neither, actually. Oh, we got to get going, girl. We got to get going. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for um, having a great conversation with me, D. as always. Thank you, Sherry. This I has been awesome. This I could talk fun. about cooking all day I long. I know. It's and super eating. fun. Let's go cook something. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. We love that you joined us for this show, too. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas, suggestions, comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Facebook or send us an email at um, southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.